We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to another episode of the DTF Podcast. Hey, I got a bone to pick. <laughs> Guys, I am so fired up. Sleep deprived and all. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> you probably cut off your hot dog. You don't need it on a fine. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of the Doster TO and Fanta Podcast. It is the DTF Podcast. We are live Thursday morning, February 22nd, 10 24 Eastern Standard Time, the only legitimate time zone. Tio is actually in Central Time. He's uh out there in, I believe, Arkansas in at, at Arkansas State, getting ready to call an Arkansas State game. You and Brian Hodgson and Rico Bosco are hanging out, and once again, uh, I am left behind while all of my friends go and hang out. I did not. What a uh, crew! Invite to the Charleston trip. You know, I thought that we were going to have like this great DTF reunion, and here I find out about it Monday morning. You guys are calling a game together, and I'm sitting here yeah. just. Uh, you know, twiddling my thumbs at home, yep. wishing, watching you guys, seeing Instagram stories where uh, John Fanta looks sexy as hell on camera, and I got to sit here by myself, and I got—I don't get to do anything. I don't get to hang out. So, um, first and foremost, fuck you guys. <laughs> hey, the best part of the whole thing, we're about 10 minutes into the game, and Fanta gets a thing on Instagram, with his, and his wife sends it over. He shows me the picture of us two on TV, and his wife sends him a message, and Fanta goes, God, I look sexy as hell right now. (laughs) You know what? Hey. You're uh, looking good, John. You're looking good. That jacket really, uh, it was a a lighter jacket, a little bit of a lighter tan, uh, perfect for the South, uh, just for for Charleston, for a little bit of warmer temperatures. And it really went well with your blue. You, You tell us why you wear blue. For your suits because of my skin tone and my uh eye color i can't wear many other colors i can't wear like dark colors it doesn't look good it looks weird and i look pale so like if i'm on camera i have to be very selective with what i wear or else it just so i'm, I'm out there looking ghostly so at shoot around uh, someone says something to the effect to uh, to me of you know talking to me about my jump shot so i'm like well you know yeah i can shoot it uh, so I get up and uh, I start taking some shots. Well, you know that that wasn't going to be long until my partner came over and started taking shots too. So what happens? We start playing a game of pig. All right. Now I am I have competitive fire. So much like To, much like yourself, Rob. So if I lose, I have to Jordan this. Like. You know, thank God we weren't playing for money. I would have kept on doubling and tripling and quadrupling down on this because that's what we did. So I lost game one. I lost game two. Now I had T.O. T.O., did I did I or did I not have you in positions to hit a couple of tough shots? I did have to hit some shots, yeah. But you were Fanta, you were shooting. You were shooting, you were shooting it well. Yeah, probably decent, you know. And so I think uh, so T.O. basically beat me pig, 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 pig. 12, 12 letters in total to pee. So I was able to get a letter off of him. And for that, uh, it's an accomplishment. Then we do the game. Charleston survives. Uh, they're, they're in first place to CAA. Hey, America, Charleston could very well be back in the NCAA tournament. And mm-hmm. sometimes sometimes the win comes a year after it was supposed to. Like, yeah. They should have won a game last year, but they got stuck playing San Diego State. Uh, they're, they're dangerous again. And Ante Berzovich is special. Rain Smith is still there. You probably remember that name. 
He can really shoot it. Uh, they, they've got pieces. but And Ben Burnham, too. But we get done with the game, and we got to go to Halls because we're in Charleston. Sorry, Rob. So we had, we walk over to, to Halls. And walk, I'm power walking. <laughs> Power walking. It was so good. It was yeah. a, the game was the game was running long, and <laughs> Fanta goes, "This game's taking forever. Fuck it, I'm getting potatoes." <laughs> so we power walk. I was not missing out on the mashed potatoes at halls. So the so we power walk our way to two halls, and we get there about ten thirty five. And I'm kind of thinking that we're gonna walk in, and they're gonna tell us, "Hey, we close at 11. Our kitchen is closed." We walk in. The owner. I hope that somewhere he hears this. Billy Hall. Billy awesome. Hall. Awesome. He is a big Charleston fan, so he, he had had the game on. And he goes, it is so great to see you guys. He sat us down. I didn't even have to ask if the kitchen was open. We got an old-fashioned on the table. Both of us have an old-fashioned. We've got, uh, you know, your, we've got the menus coming out. I've got a dry-aged uh, ribeye. Terrence has a beautiful-looking filet. They serve everything up. We wrap up dinner. We're getting ready to go. I got one more glass of wine. And the guy comes up. to. I go to the restroom to watch Dan Hurley on SportsCenter. And I come back out of the restroom and I look at Terrence. Dan was on SportsCenter Monday night with Scott. Well, why did you have to watch him from the restroom? Because I couldn't hear in the restaurant. Oh, uh, okay. I couldn't hear. I wanted to hear the interview because I, I think SVP is awesome. So. Uh, and Dan Hurley's inter an interesting list. Yeah, I had to go. I had to be in peace, you know, to do that. I took a, I, I did a number two, and I watched some Sports Center. <laughs> so I come back out, and I go you to the make more room. What's that? <laughs> you had to make more room. Yeah, exactly. So I, uh, right. So I come back out to the table, and I look at Terrence, and Terrence goes, "You won't believe this. The, the tab was picked up. The owner's gone." I'm like, are you kidding? So, Billy Hall, thank you. You did not have to do that. That was very kind. Very Halls, kind. we love you. Very kind. Very kind. It was great. The, 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 the macaroni and cheese that night, uh, I mean, I'm not huge on mac and cheese. I, I don't know what it was. There was cracking those things. So good. It was amazing. Sounds delicious. It was <laughs> great. It was great. Really, I really would love to have had, uh, you know, just been able to try it. I'm a big steak guy over here. You know, it was good. delightful. You know, I, I do want to ask you guys about this because you've been fan. It feels like you've been doing this for 30 years. T.O., you are, uh, what is this, like year three for you doing TV now? Year three? Yeah. What When you are working with a partner, and, and whether that is fancy, you're working with a, a color commentator, T.O., you're working with a play-by-play -play guy, what is it like on your end? I know what makes it enjoyable on the viewer's end, but for your end, what is what makes a good broadcast? What makes a good broadcast partner? What are you looking for for someone that you work through on that side? Phantom, why don't you go first? Well, you you as a play-by-play -play guy, one of the things that that I got told when when I was first getting into it was, you've got to let your analyst be the star. Uh, he is the player. He's who everybody wants to hear from. This is not. Your show. It's not about me. Uh, I'm a traffic cop. So I've got to get us on the air properly, tee Terrence up, then within the game, listen to him. That's the best commentators listen to one another. They don't go into a lane and just do their show with the, yes. facts, with the facts they want to get in and with the stats they want to get in and with the storylines they want to get in. They – they supplement what their analyst says and they they bring up things that are applicable to the show. What makes a great analyst is someone who you know you could ask anything to, anything. Mm -hmm. For instance, we came out of break the other night and uh, I asked, we, were, we had a bit of a dead period. So I asked Terrence, you know, Purdue lost on CBS on Sunday. And when you're working for a network, you want to know what games are also on the network. The network, yeah. group, the network group likes when you talk about things that are happening on their network. So I said, Purdue lost on CBS yesterday to Ohio State. Do you still believe, Terrence, that they're the number one seed, as was revealed on the CBS bracket reveal Saturday? And, and then he could do that. I got to tell you, you know, uh, quite candidly, I, I don't ask that question to just anybody. Uh, that's, that's a sign of a great analyst. They can handle any question. Uh, we can go through in-game situations, and they don't 
they don't overdo it. They don't over talk to a point that we're just we're missing plays, we're missing dunks, we're missing threes, we're we're missing things happening that are big in the game. They understand. That's actually kind of surprising that T.O. doesn't over-talk. I feel like T.O. would be the guy where it's like, hey, T.O., focus, focus, man, focus. No, no, that's – it's a point of emphasis for me because, you know, there are times – because basketball so fluid. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when guys are being a color guy for um, for football, like there's lengthy pauses in between plays. Like, color guy can really go. Basketball, you have to hit a quick point. And you also have to read the game while you're making that point to where if I see an alley-oop coming, I I, sh- I stop my point instantaneously. Mm-hmm. So that as soon as as soon as that happens, John can really punctuate it. And uh, that, that John made a great point. And, and I think the biggest thing, and I and I won't John's one of my favorites. Uh, I worked with a guy named Jordan Kent, who was who I thought was also terrific. Benetti was ter- Benetti is terrific. I, I, I kind of go up and down. I'm working with Connor Onion today, who I also have a lot of respect for. I, I think the common denominator between all those guys I just mentioned is the point that Fanta said about they listen. And it, it's very conversational. There, I, I have worked with younger play-by-play guys that, and it's happened very recently, where they are so caught up in making this super-duper call that they forget to listen to what the other person's talking about. Like it's supposed to be conversational. You're supposed to be sitting beside somebody on the couch watching a game. At least that's kind of how it's been explained to me. And that's kind of how I think about it. Like I want it to be exciting. I, I want to be able to hit replays hard, but for the most part, I kind of understand like, Hey, I know when I'm supposed to talk. <laughs> I understand it's supposed to be conversational. And I I make sure to get out of the way at certain times during the game, a la into shot clock situations, uh, into half situations, um, you know, end of game, you know, say a team's holding for a last shot. My, my biggest thing is if they're holding for a last shot, they get the ball 28 seconds. I can ramble on until about 11. Once it gets to 11 seconds, I'm out. It is no longer my job to say anything else. So I think that's that's one of the big things that some guys can over talk. And when something great happens, it's not my job. Like Tony Robo did a shit job at the Super Bowl. He was horrendous. If you talk about like people who who are in the are in the industry and understand kind of the ebbs and flows of what this is. Tony Romo was so freaking bad with that Super Bowl call at the end of the game. You have one of the world's best beside him that needs to make that call. And he wouldn't shut up. Like that, and a lot of people don't understand. Like, that's part of like the job, and it's been Tony Romo's problem the whole time he's been doing stuff. But like the fact that he didn't know when to shut up or why to shut up or or how, like Jim Nance was right or Nance was right there. It was unreal. Like Nance is fantastic. I mean, you would agree one of the greatest to ever do it. Mm-hmm. One of the greatest to ever do it. Yeah. One greatest of the greatest. Hey Tony, get the hell out of the way. The, like, the one that stands out to me, the yeah. one that stands out to me, Theo, is I, I'm sure people have seen this video. It's when JP Pegues hit the game winner yeah. last year for Furman against Virginia. And what you saw was Kevin oh. Harlan make the call of the shot and then put his arms out like this yeah. and just kind of basically say to, I think it was Stan Van Gundy and really Reggie Miller, shut no, up. It was, it was Dan Bonner. It was Dan, Dan Bonner. Bonner. Dan Bonner and Stan Van Gundy, shut up and then waited and then hit him with the. Did we really see what we think we just saw? And then laid out again and just let the moment tell the story itself. And that's, uh, I think that's. Yeah, and that's that's something you have to work on as a, both an analyst and a commentator and a color guy. Because, like, Fanta brought that up to me. I did one game at the very beginning of everything. He's like, hey, man, exciting call. Good job. Your crowd was going nuts. You should have been quiet. And that was the first time I'd ever heard that. I didn't know any better. And, and I had another situation recently where the, the fans finally got into it at a certain venue and I tapped my, the, my play-by-play guy on his shoulder. I was like, just be quiet. And he couldn't help himself. Mm-hmm. He couldn't help himself. So it's, it's, that's a, there, there's an art to that for sure. And there has to be a certain level of feel. Reminder, you know, interesting year in the NCAA tournament from a media standpoint because Jim Nance – 
His last one was last year. So Ian Eagle, uh, who is the best as yep. well, one of the very best, uh, Bill Raftery, Grant Hill on the Final Four. Ian gets his much-deserved, long-awaited opportunity, and I, I think we all know he's going to crush it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, we got to talk about some of the games. Since the last time that we all uh, saw each other, college basketball has gone completely insane before – uh, we get into that. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for the listeners and viewers of the Field of 68 as we all get ready for the best month of the year, March Madness. If you haven't signed up yet, uh, you can use Bodenix code FIELD150 to get $150 in free bets with your first wager on BetMGM, regardless of whether or not you win that bet. Uh, all you need to do is deposit and bet $5 of your own hard-earned money. Download the BetMGM app, sign up using the bonus code FIELD150. Deposit 5 bucks, place your first bet, uh, and you will get $150 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome. Just make sure you use that bonus code FIELD150. Uh, most importantly, we do have some fun stuff coming up with the conference tournaments and the NCAA tournament, bet insurance tokens, college hoops odds boosts, and we'll be rolling out parlay boosts every Monday and every Saturday for some of the biggest games of the day. So download the BetMGM app now and make sure to go sign up that's code field 150 we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. All right, gentlemen, since the last time we spoke, Purdue lost at Ohio State. UConn lost at Creighton. Kentucky went on the road and beat the hell out of Auburn and then turned around and lost uh, on at the buzzer uh, to what LSU. What a play. Um, Unbelievable play. Yeah, that was, that, was, that, was, that was a wild play and a wild finish. But I do want to ask you guys this. It does kind of feel like heading into the weekend, we had all kind of assumed like, hey, look, it's UConn and Purdue's world, right? And then UConn goes and blows out Marquette. Everyone's like, yeah, look how good UConn is. And then Purdue loses. And everyone's like, yeah, UConn's better than everybody else in college basketball this season. And then they turn around and lose by 19 at Creighton. And to me, I, I think – I think it is fair to say that UConn and Purdue are the two best teams in college basketball. I don't know if you guys would disagree. Let me know if you do. But, T.O., I, I kind of feel yeah. like we might have built that gap up to be a little more than it should be when it was just kind of the reason they were on a 14-game winning streak had much to do with what that schedule looked like during those 14 games as opposed to you know, necessarily um, being – significantly better than everybody else in college basketball. Does that make sense? I feel like we might have jumped the shark a little bit with how far ahead we were putting those two over everybody else. Uh, well, the, the Purdue has 
when it comes to the schedule thing, Purdue has just washed all that away with their non-conference. I think yeah. that's fair to say. So I'm not worried about Purdue's strength of schedule. Uh, I, I guess there's there's something there, but with UConn, but not really all that much. I mean, they've won the games you've put in front of them, and right, you, you know that's the thing. Like St. John's hasn't been as good as what people thought. DePaul is DePaul. Butler, I'm I'm just going down the list. Villanova hasn't been as good as people thought. Um, you know, I, I I find it kind of remarkable that Providence is ranked 54th in Kempom. I I feel like they're better than that, but uh, right. I'm sitting here looking at the schedule. You might not be wrong, but at the same time, they played Marquette at home and beat them by a 30. So whoever they – you can only play who they who the conference puts in front of you at this time of year, and they've been handling it. The, the thing about UConn is they're so physically overwhelming. Like, there's, they're, they're built like one of these great teams of old. Like, big guards everywhere. Um big five man that controls the rim, Eric Montross down there and Donovan Klingen. And it's like, it, there's just so much size. There's so much athleticism. And I, and I have a lot of respect for Dan Hurley. And to be honest with you guys, I, what a tweet, by the way, by Dan, the shame tweet where he's walking through the streets naked of, uh, <laughs> on the game of Thrones thing. That was fantastic. But uh, to be honest, you know, they can only play who's put in front of him. And, you know, they've beaten Creighton at home by 14. You go get thumped at that place. It's hard to win on the road. I get all that. Uh, ran into a buzzsaw that night. Ran into a buzzsaw. Sometimes you're due to lose. Yeah. Sometimes, it, it, sometimes you just – And it, let's – John, one thing, and I'll let you – I'll shut my – throw my tongue over my shoulder and I'll shut up. But, like, right now is a good time to lose. Absolutely. Right now is a good time to lose. So get, get that train rolling again. Yeah, I mean, you're going to play 39 games, 40 games. You're, you're right. going to lose a game. Yeah. And you're going to lose. They haven't lost since December 20th. They ran into a buzzsaw. They ran into a Creighton team that showed us. I learned more about Creighton than I did about UConn on Tuesday night. Creighton showed us that the preseason prognostications that we have, where they were ranked eighth in the preseason poll, people had them in their top five or six in some rankings, that those were valid, that Creighton can reach that. Why? Because Stephen Ashworth finally figured it out. He mm -hmm. figured out how to be a Creighton point guard. He figured out what he needs to do to play with Baylor Shireman and with Trey Alexander. Some teams just wait to – it takes more time to blossom than others because of the portal and the way things can evolve. And the other thing was Arthur Kaluma had such a big role. Creighton had to recalibrate there, and they have. Now, is Jason Green going to give them that every night? We'll see. It's certainly an encouraging sign. I don't know if about every night he ended a three all season. But Ryan Kalkbrenner, what Creighton can do is they can funnel your guards to the interior. And when they do that, they've got an elite rim protector who can shut that down. That was about Creighton. Connecticut is still the best team in college basketball, in my opinion. Purdue is, is too. I, I did not have Purdue ranked number two in my rankings this week. And I want to explain that because people were all over me on Sunday. If a team loses a game, I move them. Results matter. Us three cover the, the games weekly. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you elect to not move a team, because if they, when they lose a game, what's the point of playing the games? What's the point of playing the game? I'm going to move Connecticut out of number one. I know that that might come off harsh, but that's how it goes. They got their doors beat off. They lost to Creighton, and they got their doors blown off. They lost to Creighton, and they they struggled. They struggled on Tuesday night, but they're still they, just because I don't have them ranked number one doesn't believe doesn't mean that I don't believe that they're still the best team in the country. There's a difference as well between what the selection committee has in their top sixteen versus what us three would do in terms of rankings teams today today. Yeah, I probably will still have UConn one and Purdue two, depending on, you know, uh, Purdue gets Rutgers tonight. UConn has Villanova on Saturday and like, good luck, Kyle Neptune. You're walking into an absolute buzzsaw. Game day and an 8 p.m. tip off in Gamble Pavilion after Dan Hurley posted the shame video the other day. Okay. I don't know if I want to be playing on uh, the T.O. Your Hornets might not have a chance walking into that building on uh, on Saturday night. Hey. Um, Hey, three and zero. Hey, three and zero in our last three, baby. I don't want to hear. Hey, let me tell you something. That's a that's an everybody thinks game. All right, everybody. Thank you, Randy. 
Everybody <laughs> and their mother is going to have UConn steamrolling Villanova. Everybody. Mm-hmm. I think UConn will win the game. I think it'll be about by 8 to 12 points. I do not think they're going to win by 20. Yeah, Villanova's, Villanova's hard to blow out because of the pace that it. they play at. They play at a slow place, and they do have a bunch of guys that can guard. I will say this, though. Look, after watching Houston, and we're going to get into a point guard conversation here in a second. Jamal Shedd, I think, has been criminally underrated, and I am one of the people uh, that is m- the most guilty for underrating him. We have not talked about him enough at all this year, especially on the show. We have the platform in college basketball. We don't talk about him nearly enough. Um, so I'll take the L on that one, and I'm trying to rectify that now. Um, but I think Houston is – I think they're the highest floor team in college basketball. I think they're the most upset-proof team in college basketball. I think Alabama last night beat the hottest team in the SEC on their home floor in a game where they played horribly, right? They did not play well. I think they were 8 for 32 from three, and they went for a 12-minute stretch in the second half where they didn't make a, uh, didn't even attempt a three. Um, I think Alabama is very, very good, and we're underrating them. I told you guys last week my hot take on Arizona and how I feel like they're kind of flying under the radar in the way that uh, UConn did last January. I still think, Tio, we talked about this last night on After Dark. I still think Duke is a very, very dangerous team come tournament time because it feels like last two months they've really, they've won 16 out of 18 and their two losses yep. are at North Carolina and at home against Pitt when they didn't have, correct me if I'm wrong, Mark Mitchell, uh, Jeremy Roach, and Tyrese Proctor, I believe it was. They were missing a bunch of uh, key guys for that game. So Duke's figured it out. We know how good North Carolina is. And, I mean, Tennessee's got Dalton connected, a bunch of guys that can guard. Like, I just feel like there are a lot of really good teams in college basketball this year. And while I think most people would probably agree that UConn and Purdue should be the – are probably the two best, two favorites at BetMGM when it comes to Vegas, I just – I have a very hard time separating them as much as it feels like uh, they have been separated over the course of what's happened in the last month. Is that – I just – I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of really, really good teams in college hoops this year. And there's a lot of one-game sample sizes, too. There's a lot of teams that can win. There's a lot of teams that can win one game. Now, if Purdue's playing a nine-game series against anybody, they're going to win five. Like, I I think the same – that like, you want to see it – or a seven-game series, rather, nine-game series. I was just thinking ten games. Out of ten games, Purdue's beating anybody, not named UConn, eight times. Anybody. Most teams ten times. So, but it's just um, that one game, though. That's what makes the tournament so beautiful. It's that one game. Well, I'm going to tell you this right now. All right. So, I know that this is a tall task. And I could, uh, if I had to predict, I, w- I would pick the home team on Saturday. But Houston is at Baylor on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Right? And Houston is a tougher team than Baylor. There's nobody tougher than Houston. But going on the road, Baylor's scoring ability with Jacoby Walter, with Ray J. Dennis, also Baylor trying to bounce back. They they had a tough performance at BYU. I would expect that Baylor wins the game. But if Houston wins this game, our next podcast uh, is going to be an ode to Houston at some point in that show because I, I'm going to, to make this argument. And I know that this might get met with some some uh, adverse reactions, but if you if you took Houston out and you and you made them the name Kansas, would we be talking differently about said team? They're twenty three and three, I, and, they're, so and they're in the Big Twelve. They're I, in the Big Twelve. I feel like we have some American symptoms. No, it, it's not for me. It's not personally. I, I just think it's the. It's the way that they play that is a little bit of a concern to me in the sense that I'm still not 100%. And look, again, I make this qualifier every single time we have this conversation, right? Houston is a top five team. Everybody acknowledges they're a top five team. We're talking about it and picking this as a top five team, whether or not when they're in their fin- the final four, can they win a national title, right? And my concern is that um, when you build everything around being an elite defense, an elite offensive rebounding team, and elite at turning the ball over, that when you head, when you face off with someone that has great guards, that has really, really good bigs, that doesn't turn the ball over, that can win with an elite offense, I think at the end of the day, elite offense is always going to end up eventually beating elite defense. And I just, I don't know if I would bet on them to have the ceiling to be able to win 
four straight after the first weekend. I think there's a less than zero chance that Houston gets picked off in the first weekend. I just cannot see them losing in the first round. They are too big, too physical, too no. tough. They will eat up smaller teams. And then whoever they get in that 8-9 game, I just I don't see them getting picked off there. You need to be great. You need to have great guards and great bigs to be able to handle them. And I think that once you get to that second weekend, right, you're probably playing four straight games against top 15 teams. And I think that when compared with UConn and Purdue, and I would probably put Arizona in that conversation, I would maybe put um, a couple of SEC teams there. I think I have Houston a little bit lower than other people do when it comes to being able to – the likelihood of them winning – four straight against very, very good teams because I think eventually there's going to be a night where great offense just beats that great defense. I can see them get to a Final Four. I just think it's very difficult for them to win four straight games against very, very good competition. Well, if you look at their last few years, like who they lost to in the tournament, Miami last year, which was mm-hmm. Isaiah Wong and Nigel Pack. That's a great point. The year before, it was Villanova, who I can't remember who was on that team, but it was um, – that was with that was with Gillespie and, mm-hmm. and just in a healthy Justin Moore. The year before that, it was oh gosh, it was Baylor and that all time four against Baylor yeah, and that all time great Baylor team with that all time those all time great guards. Mm-hmm. Like there, there's credence there. It's just there it has to be that right matchup. If there's good individual play uh, and guys who can score in isolation, I think that's kind of your your potion to this Houston defense. Now they have to be elite offensively. Mm-hmm. And I would say Isaiah Wong was elite. You see, you know, how big the drop-off has been for Miami. I mean, Miami's not very good this year. Yeah. Jordan Miller too put him in that conversation and, as well. Yeah. And like that's that's the whole thing. Like if if you have elite guard play who can score on their own, you can beat Houston because Houston will just shut down everything you run. So there's a lot to be said there. Yep. Um, Fanta outside of the top two, give me, give me a team. That's a little bit off the radar right now that we aren't talking about enough that you think can, can make a run. And, and while he does that to you, think of one, I'll give one as well. Yeah. You know, um, I, I think right now outside of the top two, it, it's gotta be Duke. I mean, it's gotta be Duke. I, I, I think like I would listen to your argument about, maybe an Iowa state who I don't think has gotten enough credit nationally for the kind of team that they are. Yeah. Uh, but, but the reason why I say Duke guys is because I think we're seeing the pieces and parts fully come into fruition of the team that we thought they would be in the preseason. Mm-hmm. So what Jared McCain has grown into is really impressive. He's get, we asked in the preseason perimeter shot making and rim protection with Duke. And what they've done here the last couple of games, John Shire's made some offensive adjustments. They've become a better offensive team. Uh, And I just look at the win over Miami. They have four guys hit multiple three-pointers in that win. With Jeremy Roach now just just finding his groove and having a really nice performance. And, And if you look at Roach here over the last couple of weeks, he's got four straight performances in double figures. He's averaging around 15 per game. He's playing his game. And Terrence, Calls him a guy that late in the game can get it done. We've already seen him do it in the NCAA tournament. You can kick it to McCain for a shot. You know, Mark Mitchell's giving them a – he's had a good year, guys. Mark Mitchell's mm-hmm. a physical player. I know we're worried about the rim protection, and I, I get that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I can live with it based on the way they're scoring from the perimeter now. Yep. Yep. Kudos to that. I, I, I'm not mad at that. I, I – I want to give Iowa State their flowers because they caught they <laughs> they caught the bad end of one of my tweets about a month ago where I was talking about the non-conference schedule, and that's all true. But I never said Iowa State was bad, so I want to be clear there. Uh, t- was it Taman Lipsy is really good, and Keyshawn Gilbert's been an underrated pickup uh, nationally from UNLV. The guy's really good. Uh, but if I had to pick one, Iowa State would, could could be in the mix. If I had to pick one, guys, I got to I got to go home. I got to go home to East Tennessee. Because I think I really do think this is the year that Barnes breaks through and makes a Final Four. That's exactly who I was going to say to you. I, I really do. I, I think you know the crazy part is last year they make it to the Sweet Sixteen and they lose to a Florida Florida Atlantic team that just hit their stride at the perfect time. This year they have the same team that made a Sweet Sixteen and they added the most elite offensive weapon in college basketball and Dalton Connect. Yeah. So that now they have some scoring because Connect is as good as what he is. 
uh, it's the same team. They're still the same size. They're still the physical play pieces, and they don't have to worry about two flagrant fouls coming from Euros Plavsic this year that will just decimate you at the most critical part of the game. So I understand that he's a fan favorite, favorite there in Knoxville, or he was. It's, it's, it's good that Plavsic is gone because he hurt you more than he helped you a lot of games. So uh, ha having Dalton connect on that roster completely changes the dynamic of Tennessee because they can still grind you down on defense, but at the same time, they have an offensive weapon with supreme scoring ability. And a guy, quite frankly, guys, we're talking about – where he'd land in the draft late lottery. Why late? Why late? That guy, he does everything. He can shoot it. He can drive it. He can finish above the rim. Is he a great defender? No, but they got four other great defenders on the floor for Tennessee that like, <laughs> like it's, it, it's, it's crazy how good this Tennessee team is when Dalton connect can go for 35 or 40 on a given night. So I would pick Tennessee. Well, it, it you know who, what it reminds me of? And, and I don't know if this is, um, this is a crazy take. It reminds me a little bit of the UConn team from 2011, where they kind of had one dude that could take games over, and then everybody else around him was good enough defensively, where you knew that you were going to get held to a, you know, probably in the in the high 60s, low 70s, right? You, they were good enough on the defensive end, where on the nights when they needed him to, Kemba Walker would go out, get, go out there, get you 30, and they could win a game. And I feel like that is what uh Dalton connects is for this Tennessee team and yeah I mean you're 100% right T.O. what what they've been missing in recent seasons is just a guy that can be an absolute game changer on the offensive end they didn't have that last year and it was they were trying to win games 55 to 50 that's a that's a tough um needle of thread same thing the year before that when they had Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield like it was it was fun teams but those guys were more products of the system as opposed to just being someone where i mean ha, go watch like when games get close for tennessee they don't run offense anymore no connect gets a rebound dribbles it up figures out whoever he wants to have the switch with calls that guy out for a ball screen and they just play they just play two-on-two -two basketball right they well it's better than it's better than that's those stagger sets they were running for vescovy who's slow yeah so like yeah. at the end of games last year they couldn't get any any anything good uh, towards the rim like he would get blocked because he's so slow and now he's far and away the second or third option far and away and, and it just it, it it it's a good thing for Tennessee because now he's a floor spacer and setup guy as opposed to being the main cog and I think that's where he fits best. Yep. All right, big news guys. I'm thrilled to announce that we have partnered with Autograph, a company founded by the goat himself Tom Brady. The Autograph fandom app. You don't know Tom you Brady. Yeah, he's my he's my best friend. Like we hang out all the time. Um, the app gives you access to the best college hoops content, fan contests, and exclusive rewards like discounted tickets. We got some coming up for uh, if you're a Kansas fan, you want to go check out the app right now. We got some discounted tickets in there on Saturday. It's all for doing the things that diehard fans already do: following your favorite teams in the news and listening to podcasts just like this one. When Tom, yes, I'm calling him Tom To. We're on a first name basis these days when he co-founded autograph he had one mission in mind change the fan experience for the better it works like this you get all the college hoops content you want in one place for your favorite team articles from your favorite writers pods from your favorite hosts content from your favorite creators the more you consume the higher you rank as you continue to level up in status on the app you can unlock unique rewards curated exclusively for you so go download the app in the app store use the code f68 or tap the link in the description below. You'll start earning points for doing stuff that is normal as listening to this very podcast. Guys, I want to talk about the best point guard in college basketball. And the reason I don't want to talk about the best point guard in college basketball is because I feel like the narrative this season has been, is it Tyler Kolek? Is it Tristan yes. Newton? Is it Isaiah Stevens? And all three of those guys are studs. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to throw shade at, at, at any of those three players. Mark Sears and Jamal Shedd have been the best players on their teams. Houston is leading the Big 12 right now. Alabama is leading the SEC right now. I think there is a very strong argument to make that those are the two best teams in college basketball. Those are the two best players on their teams that are winning the two best conferences in college basketball. Tio, am I crazy here? Like, are we sleeping on these two guys? Is Jamal Shedd, Mark Sears, do they deserve a little bit of recognition for like first team All-American kind of hype? Because I think that they do. No, not at a first team because you can't put five point guards on first team. This isn't a participation trophy, Rob. Who said I can't? I can do what I want. No, that's probably true. If you have a 27-team thing like John Rothstein, you could put all of them on there. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I think Tyler Kolek, Tyler Kolek's the best one. He's the best college point guard. I, I think Isaiah Stevens is there. 
And then I, I you know, another hey, another guy. I would argue the best freshman point guard in the country is Deion Thomas, who I had the other day. Man, like like that kid. He missed a couple free throws at the end of the Nevada game, but whoo, the decision making, the shot making, the ability to pass and see what happens before the play develops. Like, man, that kid's special. No, Jamal Shed, gr- great player. Uh, if you if you're at the top of the Big Twelve, obviously you're you're doing something right, and he he's that lead guard that kind of orchestrates everything. He he's a special player. I, I just. Guys, Tyler Culloch, I understand they were playing DePaul. They had 18, he had 18 assists last night by himself, and that's a college assist. It's not a pro assist. And one, one thing I will know about Tyler Culloch is if they didn't give him his assist, he's going to complain. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> my man's going to talk to Scott Kuykendall and be like, hey, man, like, you need to give me this assist. So, 18 assists, I don't care who it is. You got to get them. And – I, he's the best point guard in college basketball right now. They also, ironically enough, have the best point center in college basketball. No, so Yadara, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, I, I think it's Kolick, Stevens, and then uh, whoever else you want to put in that mix. Uh, Jamal Shad deserves more national credit. Yeah. Over the last six games, he has 29 assists to six turnovers. His ability to drive the bus and feed LJ Cryer uh, and get Emmanuel Sharp going. I, th- th- this is a team that I- I'm telling you right now, this guy can author a legendary NCAA tournament performance. They're that good. He sets the table for this group. He gets into the lane. He's quick. He runs the team. And I saw somebody put this out a couple nights ago. I, I don't remember who put it out, but but they said if Kelvin Sampson was a college senior Jamal Shedd is Kelvin Sampson's brain right now hmm. in the body of what Kelvin Sampson would want to be. He is an extension of his coach, and he runs this freaking team, offensively and defensively. Mm-hmm. He has taken the torch. He he guards. He guards at an extremely high level. You know, you've got to be a tone setter in that system. That's Marcus Sasser. That's what made him so great. Houston – Houston is a school, if you want to be a great guard and you want to learn both ends of college basketball, you should go there. Uh, and I got no dog in the, the fight. I got no no stake in Kelvin Sampson's program but because uh, I get criticized for being the East Coast guy. I have such an immense amount of respect for Houston and what they do, and I believe in Jamal Shedd. I think Mark Sears is having a terrific year. I give Shedd the slight edge over him. Here's the irony. Here's the irony. Uh, Jason says, any Kadari Richmond love? Hell yeah, Jason. Kadari Richmond's had a great year. He's not at the level that these guys are because you got to show up every game. But yeah, he is yeah. really, really good. Here's the thing. All right. Uh, later today in a roundtable that, that I'm posting, uh, I was asked who the Big East player of the year is. And I made an exception to my rule for the first time ever. Uh, my rule has been to take a player from one of the top two teams. Uh, and Kolick to me could be the best point guard in the conference. No, excuse me, in the country. And he might not get his own conference as player of the year, which is really strange to say. Uh, but that's the interesting thing about Kolick this year. The, the one issue with Tyler. Who would you have as Big East player of the year then? Yeah, for the first time ever, I did an exception to the rule. So uh, Devin Carter is my Big East player of the year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm on board. He, since Bryce Hopkins went down, Devin Carter has averaged 23 points. No, you, hey, look, you don't have to explain it. You're, nine, I don't know why I didn't think of him. You're, you're nine, right. rebounds, yeah. nine rebounds and four assists per game. He's a guard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I, I typically always pick a player from one of the best teams. But if Providence didn't have Devin Carter, they wouldn't even be an NIT team. That's facts. Yeah. He's been that good. No, I, you're, you're, you're 100% right. I don't know sometimes, why I didn't think of them. Sometimes you got to give your flowers to the guy. Where a lot of people are gonna be like, "Look at their record." Come on, man. You be you would be you can't watch that kid play right now and not not think highly of him. Mm-hmm. No. And I give him a slight edge just because Providence is in the tournament right now because of that. And guy. it's not look uh, a lot yeah, of literally game, because of him. Yeah, numbers <laughs> numbers matter numbers matter a lot for that. But look at some of the shots that he's made and some of the plays that he made. He's made like the reason why, and I'm not. We're not going to get into like the Providence is lucky or fluky or whatever that is. Like they're the anti-lucky this year, and they made it work anyway. Yeah, but part of the reason why their Ken Palm is low is because 
they've found a way to win close games against teams that maybe aren't necessarily as good, which is just kind of like that's how the metrics work. That's what they're there to evaluate. But the reason why they have those wins is because of the plays that Devin Carter makes. He's putting yep. up huge numbers. You're 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 100 correct. I'm with you on there. Um, I I will just say about Jamal Shedd. Um, I think, and I don't know, I haven't decided, I'll, I'll be clear. I haven't decided who my first team all American point guard would be, who I would have as the best point guard in college basketball. I think if you are just blindly starting a team, I think Tyler Kolek is probably the guy that I would take with the first pick at the point guard spot. Right. Um, but when it comes to who has had the best season and deserves that level of acknowledgement, I have a hard time going away from Jamal shed for a lot of what you said fans, because of what he can do defensively the tony sets on that end of the floor what he does offensively for him for them and you know take the uh, iowa state game for example they had 20 of his 26 in the second half and completely took the game over um when uh when it looked like iowa state was making her i think iowa state made what like seven of nine threes in the second half and then jamal shed was just like yeah you know what i'm gonna put this thing to bed um he's not gonna put up sexy numbers because that's just not who he is how he's built or the way that they play but when it comes to setting the tone for the style and the system and what uh what houston wants to do on both ends of the floor i think that he is integral in that integral is that right yep integral yeah he's integral in that well, um, it, it feels like i feel like i'm making up that word i feel like integral. you guys are setting me integral. up integral integral there you go now, what is, what's integral I, I knew that wasn't a word to it's been a long week man um no, but he's integral in all of that, and I just when you hear Kelvin Sampson rave about him the way that Kelvin Sampson raves about him, it's very hard for me to ignore that because Kelvin Sampson's not a guy that is going to uh, he's not going to blow smoke up your ass. He's not going to bullshit you. He's going to tell you what uh, what he really feels. So um, I think I might. I haven't decided yet. I'm going to give it another week before I start my campaign for Jamal Shedd as a first team All American. But he's been damn good and. At minimum, he deserves uh, a little bit more hype than we have getting him, given him so far this season. One more thing I got to let you guys know about. There's nothing better in sports than the heart of the college basketball season, which is why I need to tell you about our partners over at Rhythm. If you're into sports betting, you need Rhythm as badly as I did at the John Fanta Wedding, the place for data back props and picks. For those that are unfamiliar, Rhythm, spelled R-I-T-H-M-M, -M, is the go-to mobile app for player props and game picks backed by AI predictive models. Rhythm helps you make smarter and faster betting decisions across all sports, but particularly the college basketball, where there are as many as 150 games a day during conference play. Uh, and a lot of those have softer lines at MGM than you'll find in the NFL or the NBA or the NHL or anywhere else in, in any professional sport. So with Rhythm, you get data back picks for each and every one of those Division One games every single day. Users get free picks with the ability to upgrade to unlimited access. And for those of you already using modeling, you can build your own custom sports betting models within the app itself. So if you want to increase your edge, win more bets, Go to the link in the description and download Rhythm today. That's R-I-T-H-M-M, -M, the place for data-backed props and picks. Gentlemen, I have written down a team from each of the big six leagues uh, that I think is needs more attention, needs more hype, needs more people talking about how good they've been of late. I want to give each one to you. I want you guys to react to it and tell me if you think I'm crazy. Is a good pick if you gotta make a run or if i'm just completely being a snake oil salesman and saying stuff that doesn't make any sense all right you guys good with this fun game yeah. you ready uh we're gonna start in terrence oglesby's acc and i'm gonna head down to winston-salem and i'm gonna go pay a visit to my buddy steve forbes who last night decided to uh go ahead and um Basically, end Joe Lenardi's life or attempt to. Uh, he went at Joe Lenardi, which, you know, it's Joey Brackets, man. You got to be nice to Joey Brackets. But I do think that Steve Forbes' Wake Forest team, while they may not necessarily have the resume right now, uh, it'll be a different conversation after they play Duke on Saturday and hopefully win that in Winston-Salem, that is a team that is good enough to be a tournament team. I can see them getting to a second weekend if they get the right draw. They just got bucket getters on bucket getters on bucket getters. Hunter Salas is a stud. And how can you not root for a dude, T.O., named Boopy Miller? Big fan of a Boopy. Big fan of a Boopy. Uh, they're good, guys. I, I, there comes a point, though, I'm going to be honest, Like, and I love Steve, but like, just beat who's in front of you at this point. Like beat who's in front of you. You lose it. You you lose one to Duke at Duke, and it wasn't all that far away. 
Uh, Virginia, you lose a game, and Virginia shot one of 11 from the free throw line. Like, just beat who's in front of you. They, they smacked yeah. Pitt. They, they, like, smacked them, and that should drive them back up. They're top 30 in offense and defense, according to Kim Palm. Uh, they played Duke at home. Excellent opportunity. I, guys, quite frankly, I think they can win. Uh, you know, if, if they can run the table, they have a tough one at home against Clemson, and then Virginia Tech is sneaky tough to beat uh, anywhere. So if you're able to run the table when, you know, four out of the last five, I, I don't understand why they're not a tournament team. I, I already consider them a tournament team because I feel they are that good. But just beat who's in front of you at that point because the opportunities are there now. Okay, so they are a tournament team, but not in resume. Like, they're playing like a tournament team. I, I'm just, hey, I, I, I test. I test. All right. Well, they're one in five against Quadrant One. So that's mm -hmm. an eliminator right there. Like, you have to have Quadrant One wins. Uh, Providence has five. Okay. Seton Hall has five. Uh, you got to be able to beat Quad One teams. Okay. So, so you have to have opportunities to get those Quad One teams. And how you get those quad, how you get the, that quadrant system gamed is we've talked about that. That's kind of my, that's, that's my issue with this whole quadrant system. But point taken, the people look at it. So I get it. I get how you get, how you get, these quad one opportunities and win them is you show up on Saturday and you put your balls on the table and you win that game. Yep. You go and you beat Duke. Wake, this is your opportunity. Yep. This is your chance. I think you're a tournament team. I think you're good enough. At the end of the day, your non-conference strength of schedule was 240. Hunter Salas is outstanding. I love this kid. They got a steal from Gonzaga. They got they got a steal in the portal, and ever since you know when they when they brought in Efton Reed, that was when when he became ready to go. Like that was huge for them too. And Miller, Miller has serious serious game and could get going in a hurry. Wake for that was Steve Forbes calling me now. Yeah, I was gonna say is that Forbes calling you to, to to talk to you about this? Yeah, and I love Forbes. It's 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 not that, but we gotta tell it like it is too. Like here's the thing. Uh, I do think that they're tournament quality. The the analytics like them. I mean, Ken Palm's got them at 21. I don't know if I've ever seen a team be ranked that high in Ken Palm and miss the tournament. So, like, look, they – I hope they get there. They're due for it. But you've got to take advantage of this opportunity Saturday. If you don't beat Duke on Saturday, you're going to be the team that's beaten a lot of the, the okay to good but never got the great, never broke through with the great, great win. The win that's that you – Saturday's your chance. It's against Duke. Everybody watches Duke. The committee yep. members watch Duke. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Go win that game. Win that Go game win you're that probably game. dancing. You know, who, you know who Wake's reminded me of? Don't be this team, Wake. You reminded me a little bit of North Carolina last year. And I got on the, the train, and I said they don't – they have not beaten anybody great. They can't beat anybody great. And for weeks, we discussed this. And for weeks, I got told I was crazy and that they would make it. Wake, win Saturday, or else we're going to have to have a conversation that I don't want to have. I want you to make the tournament. I'm rooting for you. Terrence Oglesby thinks I got some vendetta against you. But you got to win Saturday over Duke. Yep. Um, here's the biggest problem with their resume, T.O., just to answer your question. They lost at Georgia. They lost to Utah in a neutral. They lost to LSU Ooh. in a neutral. They lost at Florida State. They lost at NC State. They lost Ooh. at North Carolina. They lost at Pitt. They lost at Duke. They lost at UVA. Road wins at BC, at Georgia Tech. Like That's that's what's going to be Good their enough. undoing is they didn't do enough on the road. Uh, the rest of their schedule, Duke at home, at Notre Dame, at Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech at home, Clemson at home. I think they probably got to get four out of those five and don't lose to Notre Dame or Georgia Tech. Oh, wow. Fanta blowing up over here. Um, all right, we'll roll through the rest of these teams pretty quickly. I'm going to go to the SEC. T.O., the Florida Gators, baby. Chomp, yeah. chomp, chomp, chomp. We're not talking enough about them. They are basically two possessions away from having a nine-game winning streak and being a game out of first place in the SEC. They can get buckets with anybody. Talk to me about the Gators, man. They're talented. Tyree Samuels is talented as he was last year, and we were arguing that Seton Hall wasn't talented. They're very good. They were not talented. <laughs> is Tyree Samuel all of a sudden talented at Florida and wasn't talented last year at Seton Hall? He's a good. He's a good player. 
He's a good player. <laughs> okay, so my, you know, it's funny. Earlier this show, we were talking about Creighton and how they funnel everybody into Cogbrenner. Why, why doesn't Florida do that to Handlock? And I'm just kind of curious why that doesn't happen. But Todd Golden's a lot smarter than me, so I'm sure there's an analytical reason why uh, they're not doing that. So uh, no, they have scores, they have length, they rebound well, uh, and Golden's got them rolling in the right direction. I, I, they're very good. They're very good. I think they're in that second tier. They're in that second tier of the SEC, but I still think they can win a game in the tournament. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you there. I could see the Sweet 16 if they get the right matchups because of the firepower. Yeah. They're they're like kind of to me, Fanta. They're uh, they're like Alabama light. They're kind of like Kentucky. These teams that can score, 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 score. But uh, once it comes to start, when you got to play defense and maybe win a game on that end of the floor, yeah, I don't know if it's going to work out too well for you. Look, uh, Florida. Florida lost an opportunity last night. Uh, they they should have won that game. They were in position to win the game, and they unraveled and and just couldn't get it. They did take thirty three point shots in that game. Uh, they scored ninety three points, but they only mm-hmm. hit nine of them. Um, so, like Walter Clayton, to me, was the addition uh, that this team made that that kind of flew under the radar when he went from Iona to Florida. You know, Rick Pitino wanted him, and he didn't. He elected to not to not go there because he. I think he was getting a better payday down in Gainesville. That was a great guy. I mean, Walter is having a really a quietly terrific season. He's averaging 17 points per game. Uh, he shoots 44 percent from the floor. He makes them go in a lot of respects. But Will Richard can shoot the lights out. Uh, and I'll tell you what, the, the Zion Poland, like. I'm sorry, sir. I didn't know your full game. Um, I, you know, that, that kid has impressed me and has come into this program and, you know, another transfer from UC Riverside. That was a nice transfer pickup by golden. Mm -hmm. Todd Todd has done a nice job at Florida. uh, And, and I think that they'll, you know, they'll be in the tournament. Uh, They've, they've racked up some really nice wins. Yeah. They're dangerous. I would, would it surprise me at all if they were in the second weekend? No, you know why? Um, he's he's a really good game planner, one. And two, they've got talent. Like, they're not relying on one player. That team has several different options. We just brought up three guys before I bring up Tyree Samuel. You know what's uh, wild? The guy dude, that's going to end up being on an ATO clinic yesterday. Yeah, yep. he did. You know, it's gonna, awesome. The guy that's going to end up being the best uh, NBA player, or at least the best NBA prospect out of this group, Riley Kugel, played two minutes last night. He's, he's moved out of the starting lineup about two months ago. It's – um. Yeah, they've they've gotten really really good, and their most talented guy is uh, is now coming off of the bench. Um, all right, let's move to you know what I want to go to the Pac-12, and we got to give my man Kyle Smith some love here. Exactly. Washington State is playing at Arizona tonight. They're going to be in the tournament. Like it's not even a bubble team conversation at this point. Right now, Kyle Smith is trying to figure out just how good uh, his seed is going to end up being. And if you go in to uh, to Tucson and you get this win, T.O., Washington State will have sole possession of first place in the Pac-12. Put some respect on my man Kyle Smith's name. He's never been under 500 at Washington State, which is not an easy job. It might be the worst high major job in America. Like I'm not that's not even me being facetious. Yeah. It might it, be the worst high major job in America. Yeah, and what a story with Miles Rice and what all he's gone through, right? Like mm-hmm. it was Miles Rice who who was a beat cancer and then came back and is playing amazing. Like non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, I believe. Yeah. Non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. What a, what a great story that is. And you, you know, again, top 35 offense and defense. And, you know, you keep, you have to avoid all the pitfalls in the pac 12 because there's talent in the league. It's just, the teams aren't great, but on a given night, like they can get you and they've avoided those things. And Kyle's done a great job out there. Yeah. Yeah, he's done a terrific job. I I watched Washington State play in January, a full game against Oregon. And in the game, uh, Oregon won 89-84 in the game. Oregon hit 14 three-pointers. They shot 14 to 24 from three. And when the game ended, I remember thinking to myself, I'm more impressed by Washington State. They just allowed a team – a team shot the lights out, shot 14 to 24 from three, and Washington State fought them to the end and played really well. And I, I wondered, would they be able to find consistency? And guess what? Uh, since that game against Oregon, they have lost just one time. 
They lost to Cal. That's it. Uh, I am extremely impressed with Kyle. He will be the Pac-12 coach of the year. He might be you the know, national coach of the year. He could could be could be. Uh, he's on that. He's certainly on that radar. Um, I think for me, what stands out about them, yes, on on Miles Rice, uh, but you know the, the the fact that they're a team that has found the balance that they've found uh, with a group that's kind of unheralded is really impressive. Um, you know, they're, they're not just getting it from rice, but they've got a couple of other pieces who have been able to perform. Isaac Jones has had a really nice year for them. The six foot nine senior is averaging 16 and eight per game. And if you look at, at him and, and what he's done, you know, this is a guy who came in, he transferred in from Idaho. Yeah. I was going to say that's the Idaho kid, right? Idaho. And he's come into the pac 12 to and he's kept his productivity right around the same type of figures. So at the end of the day with Kyle, he won the CIT, shout out uh, CIT. He won the CIT at Columbia. They don't win anything. Like no offense to Lions, but when he won that tournament, I remember uh, being here, you know, around here in New York and people around that school saying, this is unbelievable that we're winning a championship in something. Our school hasn't done that in 60 years. Yep. When you can win there, you can win anywhere. And Washington State found a great one in Kyle. They don't play fast, right? They're 310 in tempo, but defensively, they can really guard you. And they've guarded at a high level throughout this season. So you combine that with Rice, with Jones being able to score it, you know, three, four guys in double figures. They've got a formula here. The question is, how do they avoid Arizona speeding them up and, and getting them rushed out in Tucson? Very tough atmosphere, very tough game for them uh, in Tucson against an Arizona team that has found their rhythm. Yep, um, and I will just add, Washington State last year lost T.J. Bamba, who's now starting at Villanova. They lost D.J. Rodman to USC, and they lost Mohamed Gay, who is now playing in the NBA. I think he was with the Hawks uh, earlier this season. So they he lost – got a 10-day somewhere. Yeah, they lost like three of their best players and turned around and have a chance to win the pack. So it's just unbelievable what he's done. Get Kyle Smith someplace that they got NIL, please. Can we do this? Somewhere that is going to be able to get this man players. Let's see what he can do if he's got himself a roster. All right. Uh, Iowa State and Creighton. I have Iowa State in the Big 12 that we're not talking enough about and Creighton in the Big East that we're not talking enough about, mostly because the conversation in each of those leagues tend to be around the top two. So let's just do it like this. T.O., one of those teams is going to make it to the Elite Eight. Who is it going to be, Creighton or Iowa State? Iowa State because of how they defend. And we know you have to be big, rugged, and physical, and the referee swallow their whistle in a tournament. So I, I think because of the manner in which they play, how they compete on the defensive end of the floor, and I think they have enough offensively. They're not great offensively, but they have enough offensively uh, to make an Elite Eight. I think Iowa State's that good. Fanta? Uh, both teams do. Both teams yeah. have it. Like, why? Why do we have to just pick one? Is yeah. that the game here? I mean, I, I, I think Iowa State. I, I, I think that they're you do whatever you want, fan. I could just. I thought I, that was I, the game. I thought I was just, picking. I think they both can. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like they both can. I mean, I, I, I think with Iowa State, you know, what stands out to me is that they're just better offensively than they've been. They're averaging over seventy-eight points per game. Uh, guarding was never a question for this team. It's the fact that Keyshawn Gilbert, and then way back in the Almanac, you guys said it, like Taman Lipsy's got to be a dude. He's got to take that step with what they lost. He's got 135 assists. Between Taman Lipsy and Keyshawn Gilbert, you get 243 assists on the season. Mm -hmm. so, uh, so between those two and Milan Mansilovic. Mansilovic. He's had a terrific season coming into this program and, and probably outperforming what, what I thought he would be this year. And Curtis Jones was a great ad as well. You know, they have six guys averaging at least basically nine points per game. So six guys averaging nine per game means that you've got versatility to your offense. Last year when we talked about Iowa State, we did not talk about that. We, we did not have that element. So I, I give a lot of credit to TJ for the way that he's tinkered his offensive system, uh, and for the toughness factor. They have one of the best home courts in college basketball as well, and that matters. Like, Ames is a really, really hard place to go and win. 
So I'm on the Iowa State bandwagon. You all know my feelings about Creighton. The reason why Creighton can make an Elite Eight is that Stephen Ashworth figured it out. Mm -hmm. Trey Alexander is one of the best pure shot makers still. And Baylor Shireman could be could is on the Big East Player of the Year radar. Like Baylor Shireman is a victim of his own experience and success. He's like old news. You sometimes forget about him, but I'm telling you right now, that guy is an he he's averaging 18 and a half points, nine rebounds, and four assists per game. And he shoots it efficiently. Like, why isn't he on all American radars? Um, the thing that bothers me about Baylor Shireman is he's left-handed and he ducks dunks everything right-handed. I don't know why that bothers me, but what it bothers a weird me. thing to bother you. <laughs> but it bothers me when he does it. He's he also has had like four posters in the last two weeks on the exact same play in the exact same hey, thing. Hey, Rob. Someone get that on tape, man. Come on. You know hey, what he's doing. Don't jump with him. Rob, uh, Michael Hogg says, I wonder who's producing this show, Dagan or Trevor. Nope, me. I'm doing it. I'm doing it and from Michael, the background. I'm Michael, Dagan and Trevor are still Trevor's still asleep. And it was Dagan. a party convention last night that he had to attend. <laughs> <laughs> and Dagan's probably out on a date or something. He goes to the he's a weirdo. He goes to the Pizza Hut lunch buffet. Yeah, he's a he's a big lunch date kind of guy. Um at you know, Pizza he's Hut. A guy, he's a guy that shows up ordering uh three dozen chicken wings for himself at Top Golf at 10 30 in the morning on a Tuesday <laughs> afternoon. That's what he does. It's Those are fun. that's strange. Yeah, strange behavior. That's that's kind of, that's just what Dagan is, man. That's just what Dagan is. I asked him literally before Christmas to order us some field of 68 polos. Wow. Still don't have any field of six. Do you have a field of 68 polo? Do you have a nope. new one with the new nope. design? Tio, do you I have it? Wear one in Arizona. I got yeah, one. exactly. Um, listen, we were going to do a most underrated team in the Big Ten, but there I got a T-shirt. I got a T-shirt that says Field of 68 on the front, but like the logo is like up and at a 45 degree <laughs> angle and not centered. Well, did you but get your have. Terrence Ogles, like your your Terrence Oglesby Clemson T-shirt? <sighs> no, it's the Field of 68 one. <laughs> whoever's whoever's pressing those, it's it's like this. It all did the right. Part of the logo in my armpit. <laughs> Wear it next time. I want to see that. It sounds like yeah, well. sounds electric. <laughs> Listen, this has been the DTF podcast. We were going to do a most underrated team, biggest sleeper in the Big Ten, but that doesn't exist. Everybody in the Big Ten stinks. Minnesota! Sorry, right. Michigan! Sorry. I'm sorry, Ant Wright. It's the mid-ten. It is the Minnesota! Mid -ten. They're 22-3. Oh, yeah, right. I'll, I'll give them some credit. Minnesota is going to be very good in the NIT this year. Ben They're 22-3 against the spread. Yeah, they've been a lead against the wow. spread. Bet on them. Take them over Ohio State. Actually, you know what? You're right. Good teams win. Great teams cover, Fanta. Let's Ohio go. State. Ohio State letdown spot after the emotional big win. Oh, now I'm in on the Buckeyes. No, nope. They're going to go to Minnesota, and Minnesota's going to beat them. Yep. All right. DTF Podcast. Like, rate, review, subscribe. Do all of those things that make us happy. Engage with us. And we'll see you guys again next week. Have a good call, fellas. Arkansas State tonight for T.O. Hofstra. For uh, for John Fanta, DTF podcast, going to be all over national television, and I'm just going to be sitting here, Tyler at home, Thomas, twiddling my thumbs, waiting for my invite.